Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this group of men who got up, who showed up. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here uh, in our chapter uh, and NCS. Thank you for moving. Thank you for your, your love, how it endures forever through the thick and thin. Lord, we pray a special prayer for our speaker today. Thank you for bringing us Jesse. We pray that uh, you speak mightily through him, that you condition in the hearts, condition the hearts of the men in this room right now. Yes, these things in your name. Amen. So it's my pleasure to get to introduce our speaker today. And it's actually a pretty neat uh, story. Um, I forget the year, Jesse. Holy Grounds, you came in as manager. 2005. 2005. Oh my goodness. Incredible. So it goes back to approximately 2005, I think, when I first met, met our speaker. Uh, came in to, to manage a, a local Christian cafe in Allendale. Some of you guys may have visited, known it as a Holy Grounds. Before that, it was a Christian bookstore. And uh, it was pretty neat to, to just watch from that point on how his role and calling into full time ministry uh, in the area took off. A few interesting things I learned about Jesse. One is that um, he has passion for business and ministry. You know, uh, ranks really high. And I think it's been God's hand and calling in, in his life to, to come alongside of a, a local ministry and really you know, supercharge it. But his love for coffee, you may have seen something in his, his, uh, in his bio. Um, and this is just not a normal love for coffee. You, know, you think people that like coffee, like buy whole, whole beans and they grind it and they just put it in, but you know, he, he takes it to a whole nother level. You know, when you think of this, like pure water, purified water, you know, he can't use the tap, can't use just pulling springs. He needs triple purified through osmosis purified water because any taint, any slight flavor in that water will just, will totally ruin his coffee. Um, so anyway, big, yeah, and, and he brings his own. Yeah, that, that comes, it's not, it's not tea, it's not water. It's not a spiked orange juice. It, it's his home-brewed coffee imported from the black market of uh, somewhere in South America. We don't really know where. We don't know what they do to the beans, but um, anyway, we've got a big, big coffee lover here, but also a big heart. Uh, Jesse's worked in local ministry, touched the world for, for many years now, since 2005, and really has brought that ministry to a place of clarity and, and real extreme focus on what they're calling and heartbeat is on, on training and preparing youth for, for missions and the, the missions uh, field. Uh, anyway, really excited to have Jesse. Uh, it's been neat to watch uh, from the sidelines, just you and your wife and the growth and the leadership you brought to, to touch the world through the year. So. Without further ado, let's welcome uh, Brother Jesse. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I have two things going against me from what I hear. Number one, George Berber spoke last year, and I follow him. Uh, number two, I was in uh, in the city last night for a concert, Maverick City. If any of you know them, have heard them, they're a great worship band. And uh, at Barclays Center until midnight last night, just worshiping our Lord. But it was a late night for me. But it was really incredible um, to be there with with thousands of other believers uh, and and just worshiping our God. It was really uh, an amazing time. So recently, one of the things that um, that I've been hearing and and wrestling with is as I talk with guys uh, in the last month or two, a lot of what I hear is, can you believe what's going on in the world today? 
I'll hear that a lot, right? And I'm sure as you engage in small talk with your brothers and whoever else, you you hear that and say, how's it going? Oh, I just can't believe the state of the world that, that we're in right now. And, you know, we're, we're in this place right now that is uh, coming out of a pandemic. So much has happened. So much has changed, right? All of us are kind of asking, there's a new reality. How are we going to navigate forward? Right. And, and there's tensions that we're all trying to figure out of what's next. How do we engage with what this means for community, with what this means for church, with what this means for God? Right. And so one of the questions I've been asking myself is there's this God that we say is so sovereign. Right. And, and here's here's me. And, and God has given me a, a mission. And he said, I want you to be my hands and feet and to go out. How do those two relate together? How do those two relate together in terms of the story that you've been called to in God's greater mission? In other words, what is God doing throughout this pandemic? What is all this for? What is all the hardship for that you may have been going through? The difficulties in life, the things where you just turn to God and say, God, why is this happening with me? Right? And, and God's up there silent, right? Saying, I, I got it all. I'm, I'm in control. But yet the questions day to day don't come. Right? And so we ask these questions and come back to, why is this world on its head? Why, what is wrong with this world right now? What's going on? Right? A question that, um, that I've been wrestling with is, is, how do we fit our story into all of this? What does our story mean for this? So if God is sovereign and God is doing his work no matter what. His kingdom is playing out. And if I'm called to it, well, then there's a story within a story right and, and trying to wrestle with what that means for us uh, part of my journey as Matt said um, I grew up I'll give you a little bit more I grew up in a Christian home uh, pastor's kid growing up and ended up getting involved in missions in high school found an ad in uh, what was it breakaway magazine Is that the magazine back in the day anybody no, nobody. Breakaway, there's a magazine, found an ad. There's an organization that I went to Mexico with and said, that looks fun. Let me go. My parents let me. I don't know how they let me. I flew down to Mexico, flew down to, sorry, Texas, and we drove across the border into Mexico. I was a high school kid, and uh, my parents just let me, let me go and do that. And from then on, God grabbed my heart. And he said, I have a place for you, and I'm calling you out to be involved in missions. And to be a spokesperson for my calling for everyone to get involved in missions. I'll tell you more what I mean by that. Fast forward throughout college, graduated with a business degree, ended up back in Central South America, uh, doing learning Spanish, doing some fair trade business that I was trying to dapple in, never got off the ground, came back to New Jersey, ended up getting connected, as Matt said, to Holy Grounds, worked with Touch the World Ministries, and from there, my wife and I met my wife, and that was the, the greatest thing that I gained from Touch the World, probably. And we really felt the calling. We had both been on short-term mission trips, going and taking kids and going for one week, two weeks, uh, but we had never been long-term. So we started praying, and God was leading us in that direction of saying, what would it look like if you stepped into my calling in a more dangerous way, in a more risky way, in a way that's much less comfortable and we said yes to that calling. We ended up going to Uganda for five years. Uh, we're in Uganda for five years, and it was there that we learned so many lessons that I could sit and talk with you 
about story after story about God, what God was teaching us while we were there. Um, a lot of our journey over there was a lot of learning and listening, right? <clears throat> learning and listening about what does this mean to live in a different culture? What does it mean when you're taken out of a comfortable context, something that you expect to happen, and now you're put in a place where nothing makes sense? Nothing literally makes sense. I don't know how many of you have lived in another country for a period of time, and you're just left there sometimes scratching your head thinking, why do they do what they do? That makes no sense. Why would they do it that way? Or you're left saying, I have a much better way for that. I don't know why they're not doing it like this. Or you're just scratching your head being like, that just makes no sense. What they're telling me or their cultural uh, norm, what they're, uh, how they do certain things, it just doesn't make sense. It's outside of any context you could understand. And you're left wondering, what, how do I make sense of this? What does this mean? And so we found in our time in Uganda, um, the act of sitting with somebody and sharing story was the pivotal moment of being able to relate and understand. Uh, I'll give you an example. Every, everything in Uganda, where we were for the five years, centered around story. The whole culture is a storytelling culture. And so uh, they told us this story once. They said um, they, they tell parables all the time, right? They said there was a... There was a mouse and an elephant, and they went to a party, right? A mouse and elephant were, were excited to be there, excited to be together, and they partied hard. They got all the glitter out. They got the streamers out. They got the music going with the bass kicking, and they're dancing, and they're partying. They're jumping around, and they're having the best time. They're asking each other, you know, hey, mouse, how's it going? And they're just having the time of their life. And... They're stomping around. All of a sudden, elephant says, mouse, where are you? Mouse. And he, he takes a step off and, and he's devastated because mouse is under his foot and he stomped on his best friend and ended up killing his, his best friend. Right. Um, what, would be the, what would be the lesson of that story? Such a simple story, right? And yet, the lesson in that was all around the context of the question that I asked. And the question was, what is it like for you guys? And by you guys, I meant the Ugandans that I was asking this to sitting around the campfire with. What is it like for you guys when Americans come? And that was the story they told. And it was like, they, they didn't have to explain to me what it's like when Americans come. They just had to tell me a story. They had to give me some context in a very vivid way that helped me understand, wow, can, can Americans sometimes be the elephant that just comes in with their own agenda and says, I got a better way. I know how to do it. And, and unintentionally, right? Because that's the point of the story. Unintentionally, they're both having fun. They're both good friends. We end up stomping on the people, the very people we're trying to help and trying to love, right? And, and the story came to life for me, and it was an aha moment. And that happened time and time again. I could give you numerous other examples of that same concept. One of the things that I fear as I've come back to the U.S., and we've been back for a time now, eight, eight nine years, um, leading Touch the World, and one of the things that I fear as, as I've come back to the U.S. and reacclimated to the culture here, and it took a, it took a few years, is that we've lost the context of story. 
we've lost the ability to um, understand what somebody's saying within the context of a larger life story. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when, when we're talking about uh, concepts, when we're talking about doctrine, when we're talking about uh, you name it, politics, whatever the topic would be that you're going to engage with your brother on, oftentimes you say something to try and figure out where somebody stands on an issue. And when they don't say what you want them to say, you come back with just saying, well, this is what I think. And, and it almost goes back and forth in terms of facts and in terms of this is what I've heard and in terms of this is what I believe, right? Rather than understanding the context behind it, the story behind it. It's, a, it's very much a difference in culture. How we've been trained to, uh, to interact with people is very A, B, C. It's very black and white. It's very, um, very fact-based as, as Americans. That's how we engage with each other, right? Many other cultures engage with each other on a much more emotional and story basis. And I want to challenge us today that I think we've lost a little bit of that. I think we've lost a little bit of the context surrounding the conversation. The conversation has become so polarized, and I don't just mean politics, right? Yes, that's one area where it's become polarized. But in almost every area of life coming out of this <coughs> pandemic, I've seen a polarization that I've, I've never seen before. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel and how you're engaging in culture and engaging with your coworkers and friends, but there's a polarization of massive scale, not talking politics here. It's, it's beyond that. It's, it's that we're not willing to hear each other's stories anymore. We're not willing to listen. There's someone that spoke in story language quite a bit that we all know and we all look back to, um, hopefully every day, but at least on Sundays. His name was Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna read two passages here that Jesus was someone who spoke in stories all the time. He spoke in context. He rarely spoke in facts and in black and white, like we like to do as Americans, right? And so we have a lot to learn from this guy named Jesus that we follow. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14 says this, and I'm going to read through from the message, uh, just because I think it, it, it always helps me kind of rethink what's being said. So sometimes it's helpful to read from a more story-based translation whether you agree with, uh, you know, how it's translated or not. This is from the message, uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14 says, he told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, the robbers, the crooks, the adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give me mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. Great passage that puts things in context for us. 
Uh, I'm going to read one more really short one because it gives the same idea from Luke 21 and it's verses 1 through 4. Just then he looked up and saw the rich people dropping their offerings in the collection plate. Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. And he said, the plain truth is this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these others <laughs> made offerings that they'll never miss. And she gave extravagantly what she can't afford, what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. See, Jesus here, he was reordering the, the whole religious system. The religious system was all centered around how much you can give, whether you're doing the right thing, whether even you believe the right thing. And Jesus said, it's not about any of that. Let me tell you some stories. <laughs> and he said, really, at the center of it, right? we, we could dissect that passage and, and talk about that all day and preach sermon after sermon on, on each of those passages separately. But he's saying, what's at the heart? Right? What's at the heart and what's your story? And are you coming to sit at my feet? Are you willing to give yourself to me? It's all based in story. Right? And I, I think I've seen that the world right now that we live in seems very confusing. Um, it, if we expect, though, to see the world in a kingdom sense rather than through a worldly lens, I think we have to look at things through God's story, through Jesus's story that he's telling us. We have to realize, men, in here that we belong to a different kingdom. Nobody said amen to that. Amen. <laughs> I, I know that's that's like a shock. We belong to a different kingdom. We're we're not primarily. Now this is a shocker too. We're not primarily Americans. We're not primarily Ugandans. We're not primarily. We are primarily citizens of the kingdom of God. First and foremost, right? You're an American citizen. Second to your citizenship in the kingdom because when you said yes to jesus jesus said i'm going to do something with you that goes beyond your national identity right there's something so much bigger and that doesn't take away from our national identity that doesn't take away from the ability for us to say we're proud to be americans we support america we support our troops etc etc it does not it, it's not a negation of the other right but we have to reorder and we have to understand what is our primary identity in the kingdom of God, it's to be a citizen of heaven. At Touch the World, we've uh, we've worked through we we work with youth primarily under eighteen. Uh, we've seen that uh, eighty percent of those who come to know Christ and and make that decision do so before the age of eighteen. And so we've centered on that population. We've said youth are incredibly important for the next generation to raise them up to say that youth are our future. We all believe that. We all know that. Um, but yet we invest sometimes very little in our youth. And so we've seen that as such the world and said, we have to give youth experiences and not only experiences, but experiences rooted in correct framework, right? Correct story so that they can engage as kingdom citizens so that they can follow Jesus in the every day. There's three big questions that we've uh, identified that we deal with. And some of this comes from Kara Powell and Brad Griffin at the Fuller Youth Institute. They're kind of some of the leading voices in um, some of the studies that are done. All of us have heard about Barna. It's very similar to Barna, but for youth is their focus. And they, they ask three big questions, which is what we've asked that touch the world. 
what we've centered our training around whenever we work with you. Number one is identity. It's who am I? Some of these questions seem simple, but I'm going to challenge you. Pause for a second. I think this is applicable to us as men, too. I don't think this is just for you. I think this is a lifelong struggle that we work through, all of us. So the first question is identity. It's who am I is the core question. Who am I? Where is my identity? It's asking, am I enough? Am I loved? Right? Am I God's child? Second question is where do I belong? So it's a question of belonging. Where do I fit? Right? Where do I fit? What's my community? What's the community around me that's going to encourage me? Do I belong with God's people? Am I a vital part of the body of Christ? Those are the questions that we ask. The third question is what difference do I make? Right? I, I would challenge us that I think that's probably the question that all of us here are, are constantly asking. Is what difference do I make? Right? How do I impact the world around me? You may need to actually back up and answer the other two questions first. Maybe your third question isn't being answered because you don't have clarity on the first two, which are more foundational, right? And so what difference can I make? What's my purpose? Am I invited into God's greater story? Can I make a difference? And the, the tension in these questions can so easily become, yeah, it's, it's theoretical. Sure, who am I? I'm a child of God. I, I know that. Uh, what's my purpose? I, I know I'm called to the kingdom, but how do you live that out in every day? How do you live that out when there's tensions at home, when you're arguing with your coworker, when something else is just devastating in your life and, and going down the tubes and you don't know what to do? That's a hard place to be, right? And, and you start to answer those questions, who am I? The question of identity starts to get answered by uh, what's my net worth? Uh, what do my finances look like right now? Right? Are they good enough? Uh, what do others expect of me? You start comparing yourself to others. You start thinking, do I have the right image right, that, that I'm putting forth when I go out? Do I have the right relationships? Do I have the right political view? Verse saying, I'm loved simply because I'm a child of God. Right? The, the question of where do I fit or where do I belong, does it start to become a question of safety? What's the safest place that I belong to? Uh, am I with those who just share my hobbies and likes and beliefs rather than being with people who are different than me? And saying at the end of the day, I belong with God's people, right? And what difference can I make? Some of us try and fill that by saying, I'm just going to help others. Although that is a part of God's calling, but we, we try and fill it without God, just saying, I'm just going to help people. I'm just going to follow the scripts that others have for my life. Uh, I'm going to make my own decisions. I don't, I don't need you. I don't need God. Um, I'm headed towards a good future. You know, I got some things set up. I got my finances. I, I'm okay. You know, and, and we start to kind of say, what difference can I make? I'm, I'm good. I can do this on my own, right? Maybe that's you this morning. I'm going to challenge you. We're invited into God's story. God is inviting us into something much bigger. He's saying, I want to use you to change this world, to make a difference. I believe that the single uh, biggest deterrent towards answering these questions is, is a lack of discipleship. I don't know what you see in, in the communities you're in, in the churches you're in. Uh, I think our people are very poorly discipled as Christians, just in general. I'm not talking about any one church here, right? I think in general, as Christians, we're very poorly discipled. 
when I was in Uganda, one of the biggest things they would say just in terms of Christianity, and this wasn't the Ugandans, it was the missionary world, they say Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep. What do they mean by that? They mean everybody's going over there, sharing God's word, having people accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and then they're saying goodbye, and they come home, and they say, 50 people accepted Jesus, and everybody gives a round of applause and claps, and, and I don't say that to diminish what God could be doing in those moments. No, what I'm saying is making a point to the discipleship aspect of who's doing the long-term ongoing discipleship of those people that raise their hand and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. From my personal experience, that person probably raised their hand 10 times whenever the white people came also. So that's another whole dynamic that we're not going to go there this morning. We don't have time for that. The point is, I'm worried that I'm seeing this concept of discipleship, not in Africa, but here in the U.S. In Africa, their biggest problem was resources and access to information. To simply have a Bible was a luxury. To have a Bible in your own tribal language was a luxury, right? Or else you had to have somebody who spoke English translate it to you and help you understand God's word. We have no concept of that. We have we have whatever we want right at our fingertips. And yet we have nothing because we believe everything that's out there and we're not going deep into our discipleship. Using the tools that are there for us to do deep digging Bible study and do you know, deep discipleship with our brothers. And so we've lost that. We've, we've become, I believe, a culture that has become a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of our Christianity here in America. I think we got to change that. And I'm going to challenge us this morning that we need to change that. I think the being that discipleship is, the lack of discipleship is the biggest problem. I would say the two biggest things that get in the way of our discipleship is technology and our inability to listen. We've lost an ability to listen to others, to our brothers and sisters who may share different opinions, who may have a different story, who, who just have a different context. We, we want to speak so quickly. Let me start though with technology. Real quickly, I'm finishing up. Barna, I'm going to go back to Barna. They put out a study uh, that talked about technology, and this was specifically for youth, but I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge all of you and see how accurate this is for us adults also, because as I read through the list, I think it's incredibly accurate, and I don't think this is a youth survey but it was done with you just to give you context. What are the good sides of technology was the question. 99% said it light, made life easier. Made life easier? Everybody probably agrees with that. 72% said it gave them greater access to information. 64% said they're more connected to friends and family. 43% said that it adds joy to their life. 34% said it helps them find communities like them. What are the bad sides of technology? 54% said they waste a lot of time. Okay, who wants to be bold and say you waste a lot of time on technology? If you don't have your hand up, you're probably lying. So we, we've seen you. 50% said they're more distracted in general. They found that it became a discipleship on their life that their technology was discipling them so much that they became less distracted even when they were talking with somebody in the same room. They, were, they wanted... 
where's where's my let me see if i got any messages it becomes almost like a, a comfort device right 36 percent say they feel less productive interesting right it's going the opposite way 24 percent still say they feel anxious when they're not with their phones uh i've seen people that if they're not with their phones you're in trouble where where is it where is it? it's again it's like a safety device for for people 13% say their relationships have been affected in unhealthy ways. Um, teens overwhelmingly agree that there should be restrictions on technology. I thought that was very interesting. And one of the things I'm going to challenge us with this morning is to say, in what ways can you limit your technology? In what ways is your technology getting in the way of your discipleship? Technology can be a part of your discipleship, certainly. I'm not anti-technology. Don't, don't hear that. But I think technology has gotten in the way of our ability to, to sit with Jesus and to, to read our Bible, right? And, and to be discipled. Um, here's, here's some practical advice. I'm going to go as far as giving you some practical advice on, on technology. Uh, what if you remove devices from your bedrooms and make that a household rule? Some of you are struggling with teenage children. I'm telling you, these are hints that you should be writing down right now. This will change your home. Right. These are things that if you can get over the hump of the screaming and the why are you taking everything good away from me, dad, uh, if you can get past that, this is going to create such healthy rhythms in your home and in your life. Move devices out of the bedroom, even as adults. Uh, what about technology free family dinners? Boy, that that would be a change if we could talk to each other and hear each other's stories and disciple each other through those moments of interacting face-to-face. -face. What if we have a regular Sabbath from technology? This is a really wild one. What if you turned off your phone for a full 24 hours once a week? Some of you are getting anxious right now. I see you in your seat, your palms are getting sweaty. You know, what if they send me an email? What if they need me at work? What if, you know, there's always gonna be the what ifs. Mm -hmm. Jesus calls us to Sabbath. He calls us to remove ourselves from the things that are distracting us because he says the things that are distracting you are taking away from you keeping your eyes on me, also known as discipleship, right? Uh, here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer as I finish up. He said, the beginning of love for others is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us God's word, but he also lends us God's ear. Christians who can no longer listen to one another will soon no longer be listening to God either. And so this comes back to the listening and the story. How are we engaging with people who are different than us? our neighbor who has a different belief than us? And, and we want to just engage right away in the rights and wrongs of our beliefs or politics or you know, school, what's going on in the culture, et cetera, you, you name it. Um, I would challenge you, what, how are we first listening? Because I think Jesus would listen. I think Jesus would listen and try and hear the story around why someone is saying what they're saying first and try and gain that context in order to then speak truth into their life. It seems so simple. Uh, we teach at, at Touch the World, one of the things we teach our youth uh, principles of culture as we teach them, uh, always ask, ask first, ask questions. So listen with your, with, with your attentiveness, not just hear, hear. Did you know hearing and listening are different? You hear something, you're just taking it in. You're taking in that information. Listening 
is being attentive and actually engaging with the person and taking in what they're saying and kind of taking a deep breath and being like, okay, so is this what you're saying? And clarifying, understanding what they're saying, right? That's listening. Are we truly listening to the stories of those around us? Jesus is calling us to listen to those around us. He, he listened to those around him. And then he spoke truth, right? And so it's not at the negation of speaking the hard truth. We need to speak the hard truth and the biblical truth that God calls us to speak. But first, we have to sometimes just listen. We have to stop arguing. We have to stop claiming our side of the story and our facts and just sit back and listen with, with some grace, right? And so that's my challenge to us today. A lot of different challenges in there. Um, well, let's, let's lean in, let's ask questions, let's be willing to learn context and seek to love others by listening, just like Jesus did. I have some discussion questions here. Uh, I didn't know there were going to be this many people. I'm not sure I have enough. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to pass some of these out. If maybe um, share around the tables, otherwise I'll, I'm going to read them out too. And I don't have enough. So I'm going to read them out. If you don't get one, steal it from a neighbor or uh, try and remember these questions. It, it's just, it was all within what I just talked about. So uh, which of the big three questions are you struggling with the most? So are you struggling with the, the who am I question of identity? Uh, what about where do I fit? So the belonging question, or maybe it's the purpose question. What difference can I make? Right? So those are kind of the big three questions. You could take a picture of it too. That's a great idea. Um, the second question is, what are some practical action steps that you can take regarding limits on technology? Uh, what are some ways that you can model that for within your home? That's a, it's a hard thing, but it's very countercultural. Okay, and what impacts you the most about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote? Uh, and what from that can you apply? This idea of listening to others. And that when we listen to others, we're actually giving them God's listening ear. Uh, and then when you reflect on Jesus' approach to the Gospels, what is it about his approach to people that you can learn from today? Oh, there's a lot there. You're probably not going to get to all of them. Pick a couple of those questions and uh, discuss with the guys at your table. Okay, gentlemen, we're going to bring it back in. I know it seems like two minutes since we started talking. And apologies for, uh, for bringing it to a close. Welcome to stay after the meeting and uh, continue the conversation. We'll catch up and hope you do. Uh, and a reminder, Tuesday's election day for everybody. Regardless of your inclination, it's a privilege and a responsibility we have to vote. And don't complain if you don't vote, uh, things not going your way. Um, so I appreciate Jesse's comments and his heart. I thought he was going to share with us some jokes of, of the youth, you know, like why didn't Noah ever go fishing? He only had two worms, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, he only had two worms. <laughs> but um, I hope you continue. One of the things I like about this group is that if you're anything like me and busy and, and, and maybe only half there, um, you don't stop and reflect. You just do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do without thinking, and I want to remind us of that. But you do, and it's important to reflect. So these basic fundamental questions about, um, you know, identity, belonging, and purpose uh, are a great thing to reflect on and chew on. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe this weekend we can have some 
opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and the subject of discipleship came up, and I remember Pastor Lloyd Syverson, um, and he repeated this two, three weeks ago when he was here for 75th anniversary, he said, you know, people complain sometimes they leave the church because they're not being fed. Babies need to be fed, right? We need to feed ourselves, right? And, but that takes intentionality and effort. Right. Uh, again, another thing I love about this group is it's intentional that you're here. Mm. You make the effort to be here, but we need to make an effort to, um, and I, I'm preaching to acquire myself, to study the word more, get deeper in it, and then share that with somebody. So there, you know, the iron sharpening iron, get together with someone and either do a devotional or um, pick up a book and, um, and share some thoughts, right? Reflect and share. And we'll grow. So, uh, any anyone else want to share anything that came up, or something that struck them as part of the discussion I before think, we close in prayer? I think friendship. I think friendship. friendship. Yeah, friendship. Uh, I really look forward to coming here on a Friday morning. I really, really do. Uh, yesterday, I had a conversation with a dear brother, and he opened my eyes to something about my attitude. I didn't like it. I didn't like it, but it made a big difference. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I woke up this morning and I, I thank good morning for him. So, thanks, Ray. Good to see you. Yeah. So, I, I, I just, this group is incredible and I need it more than anything. And I know we're going to be stopping for November, like November, December, but well, no, it's Wednesdays. just the fourth Wednesday. So oh, just not oh, we're, we're still meeting every Friday. Okay. Right. okay. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of listening. My nine year old told me that two nights ago in the midst of a uh, altercation between the two of us. Uh, now I don't listen enough. Uh, oh, just, uh, I think that rings true throughout uh, multiple relationships. Uh, <laughs> society, you've been communicating on the digital world, but uh, even rings true in my household. So. And the art of asking questions and sharing stories. I, I really appreciated that reminder. And, but that takes time. And we love somebody we're going to take the time. So uh, anybody else? Last call. All right, Lord, we thank you for this privilege of uh, sharing life with each other. And uh, we pray even now that you would um, have someone in our minds and in our hearts that we can uh, share this experience with, invite them to a future meeting, invite them to a cup of coffee and ask them and some questions about life. But listen, not just here, but listen attentively. Um, hard to give advice if um, you don't know where they're at. So uh, we're not trying to fix things. We're trying to share you with them. And uh, we pray that you would help us to grow deeper in you and love you more um, each day. We're privileged that we can do this because of your sacrifice, your death on the cross, and your rising up again, and forgiving our sins by faith. And, uh, so thank you, Lord. Be with us now. Give us safe travel. Bless our families. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Very good. Very good.